Welcome to the Pastoral Effect Podcast. This podcast sits at the intersection of theology, spirituality, and pastoral concern. It seeks to celebrate pastoral moments that challenge and transform everyone involved in the encounter. Hence the title, Pastoral Effect. I'm your host, Leanne Davis. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Pastoral Effect Podcast and my interview with a remarkable early career chaplain, Matthew Snowden. Any veteran chaplains listening to this episode today, there's hope for the future. At different times in my conversation with Matthew, I was reminded of my grad studies, in particular looking at the importance of having a method that allows you to shape pastoral action in your pastoral situation. So I dug out my old book on method and ministry by James D. Whitehead and Evelyn Eaton Whitehead, an oldie but a goodie that I'm sure some of you will recognize. And I found myself revisiting certain sections after my conversation with Matthew, and I found it quite, um, quite renewing for me as I turn the page here to refer to something to share with you in this introduction. I'm drawn to an introductory paragraph on method, and it talks about theological reflection, and I still have the yellow underline from my studies many, many years ago, talking about theological reflection and ministry is the process by which a community of faith engages the religious information in pursuit of insight that will illuminate and shape our pastoral response. And this, for me, has shaped my core being, my core pastoral effect in chaplaincy ministry. And my conversation with Matthew and his method really reminded me of the stages that I go through when things are brought to my attention or when I see things or if I'm trying to listen to what's going on in the community. And so I found my conversation with Matthew very affirming because the theological reflection is really a dynamic movement in our pastoral settings. And over time, we become attuned to where the Spirit is moving in this faith community. Matthew's three-pronged approach is pastoral, teacher, and guide. This method provides Matthew with a lens through which to see certain things in chaplaincy, through which to engage in certain things in chaplaincy. And method is very important because it provides a solid base for responding to the wide variety of things that crop up in chaplaincy on a daily basis. And these pastoral skills take time to hone through practice before they can become effective, but they really are essential. I'd like to thank Matthew for sharing many anecdotal stories from his ministry that celebrate this approach that is pastoral and teacher and guide. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It's very heartfelt, vulnerable at times. Matthew is very authentic. He's also wise and deeply spiritual. Thank you for tuning in to this episode, and thank you for listening to the Pastoral Effect Podcast. (music) 
So I'd like to welcome Matthew Snowden to the Pastoral Effect podcast today. Matthew's actually right in the middle of switching schools. And for those of us who have done that, you know how unnerving it is. And Matthew's also switching boards. And so that's a whole different culture. So it's a busy, exciting, stressful summer. And I really appreciate him taking the time to sit down and chat today. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Leanne. Thank you for having me. Really thrilled to be here. Oh, it's very exciting. So I've been enjoying asking almost the same series of questions to, 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 to the other chaplains this season. And so I'm going to stick with that. I find it very revealing. And so the first one is, like, what, is the, what was or what is the religious or spiritual background of, of your childhood? Because often we can kind of see how we bump into that or how it informs us as we grow and develop in our faith life. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question, and it's one that I think of a lot, right? Because there's so much complexity to it, and there's so much of what is happening in our lives today that Absolutely. is affected by what happened when we were young. So, grew up in a Catholic family, uh, raised with a really strong, faith-filled mom, and church was always a part of our lives. I'd say so the 2000s, this was, it was becoming more rare that, you know, you would, a family would go to church every weekend. You're true, um, yeah. So that was us, pile into the car every Sunday. And even when we were, you know, on, on summer break, it was find the church and, and get there. Oh yeah, that so, is very serious. That's hardcore. Yes, yes. Um, so I think it was always a part of our lives. It was a part of the family identity, you know. It was, I think, important to my mom that we were, a, a Catholic family. Um, so that started it. And then, um, you know, I think about a time in grad school that my professor had this great quote, and he said that the greatest gift after the gift of life that you can give someone is the gift of faith. Wow. Yeah. That stuck with me. It still is with me this to this day. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And... I think that that's what I was given. I was given this frame and then I was given the opportunity to, to color it in and to, to paint the picture because by high school, university, I was bored. I was disinterested and there was, you know, the so what question Mm -hmm. about this faith, uh, you know, who cares? But I think I knew and it's why this quote resonates with me so much, that there was treasure here. There was a gift that has been given. But like I said, it, it was the frame. And now it was up to me to, to really open up that gift and, and search. So the, the search and looking for the, looking for the treasure has been really important. That is, it's beautiful because many would interpret that frame as a burden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we do have to uh, step away from and grow into our own faith life and step away from rather sort of what what our parents were able to to give us. And we can take, we can only take so much with us and into, into our expression. And I I think that's absolutely beautiful. I love that there's this frame and you get to color it and there's Mm -hmm. this treasure there. It's just so positive and vibrant. I, I really appreciate that metaphor. There's, there's a dynamic to it that allows you some agency, right? I think There has been times um, where I have felt like it's a burden, Mm -hmm. but as I've grown, 
And as I've done the work for myself to really find what about this tradition is life-giving to me, uh, I recognize that I wouldn't be here if not for the gift given in the beginning. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah, that's really quite amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. So when we think about uh, you being in chaplaincy for, for, for three years, um, that everything is fresh and, and new uh, compared to, to someone like me who's been in more than three years. Um, so in your experience, either as a, as a student and then as a, as a new chaplain in this ministry, is, is high school chaplaincy essential? Is it, is it important? Yes, I think it is so essential. I am super passionate about Catholic education, and I think that chaplaincy allows for our schools to become um, the places and the communities that they are called to become. So, you know, whenever people ask me what I do, I talk about you know, enlivening and bringing out, drawing out the faith in the school community. So we do that. And I think that if chaplaincy didn't exist in Catholic high schools, there would be such uh, an absence of that animation that allows people to enter in to the story. Um, I, I, since I'm leaving schools, I went out for dinner with some students a couple weeks ago and we got our food and then, you know, everyone was sort of like, okay, what do we do? Because the food was at the table and every day at school we say grace before meals. I, I say it over the PA. And then someone said, uh, should we say grace? You know, this is a 16 year old yeah. Gen Z kid who <laughs> is not church going is super cool. Uh, and they say this and I'm like, Okay, yes, amazing. So we hold hands, and I just led us through a quick prayer. And then one of them said jokingly after that, you converted us. And, (laughs) you know, I think that was so beautiful because it showed what chaplaincy is, that, you know, through this ministry, there was an offering of a, a positive experience of Catholicism. There was something attractive to them. There was something that that invited them in, and they were fans. And, and they'll just continue to discover. It's, exactly. It's it's a door. Is there's there's no yeah. one particular door. I really appreciate uh, you saying using words like um, you know how wherever the community is at, and and that's a hard that's hard chaplaincy. That's a lot of work to go in and then just learn and grow with the school community and be able to call forth that faith of that and see where the Holy Spirit is and to be able to move with that school and to grow with it mm-hmm. harder um, than anything, uh, than coming in with a set program totally. and just expecting everyone to sort of fit into, into the lines. Yeah. Sort of like, here's what we're going to do versus trying to tap into what it is that's already alive. Uh, because God is, we don't bring God to the school. No. God is already present. 
Correct. And so each new chaplain that, that comes in has an opportunity to, to, to look for that and to celebrate that and to suss it out maybe mm-hmm. in a way that it hasn't before. And that, that really is the, the, the beauty, really yeah. the beauty of Catholic education. Yeah, you know, you get to, to help people go deeper into themselves, right? And then you find out where God is working and where the, the spirit is moving. And then you work with that, right? You just so, create that space and then yeah, see what happens. So absolutely. It is, I think it's life-changing for communities because we get to set the culture too, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's a huge, res- it's a privilege and a responsibility. Yeah. yeah, we get to, like, you know, I think sometimes, you know, morning prayer, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> every day. But as I'm, again, as I'm leaving, you know, to have the, the privilege of the, the PA system every morning to set the tone of that day and to sort of introduce a spirituality and a sense of being in relationship to God and to others and to self, like that's, that's huge. It's, it's huge. And, and then there's those times when something has happened. It could be in the community, in the world. And, you know, you're getting up in the morning and there you are, you know, 5.55 a.m., fingers hovering over the keyboard, wondering how you're going to address this, announce it, contextualize it. What is prayer in, in this moment? And to be able to struggle with that and, and still bring the community to, to pause and, and reflect in those moments of trauma and, and, and tragedy are um, uh, also important moments and, and, and teaching moments for staff and students. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you say that, I think about... So the question was, is, is chaplaincy essential and I think immediately we go, yes, you know, for the community. But I think for people who are called to do this work, it's essential to us. So, you know, those mornings when something has happened and we sit down and we have to make sense of it and theologize about it. I mean, that is such a gift to be able to do that. It's hard, but it's how people like you and I really can, our gifts can be, can be used. So it's, it's essential to, to us as people. It's how we, we move through the world as, as people of faith is. Mm -hmm. is Absolutely. And I think of times when we've missed an opportunity or maybe just didn't know that that was an important enough opportunity, or we were, administration said, could we wait a day or something like that? And then people come and they speak to you and they're like, well, how come we didn't? Because they were, they were, they knew something happened and they were, you know, please stand for the national anthem and morning prayer. And they were waiting, they were waiting for um, a a perspective, something that, that they could, pray with get their head around and and if it was missing they they come looking for it and yeah. i think that it just accentuates the the importance of just those first 4 to 5 minutes of of our everyday ministry totally something to to hold on to right which, oh, good point. which is that that question of hope when when it is lacking all of us are looking for that thread to keep us afloat. So that that's a huge part of chaplaincy. Absolutely. You know, in yeah. words and in, in actions. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Has there been or is there a particular focus to your ministry or, or have you leaned into particular projects? Yeah. The way I always think about it is that formation is is so key. Um, when I when the kids ask or when I go into a classroom and I introduce myself and I say, you know, who I am, what the chaplain is, no one knows what that word means, right? <laughs> no. So I say I'm a mix between uh, um, a priest, a teacher, and a counselor. And so there's three words that, that come from that for me. So the, the pastoral is to love. The teaching is to sort of instruct and to form. And then the, the, the counsel is to guide. So that's how I see my ministry is I love the heck out of these people and just try to shower these kids with with acceptance and affirmation and, you know, letting them know and feel that they're loved by God. And then the, the form, a big part of what I do is classroom visits um, for faith formation. And so, um, you know, I will go into all the classes once every other month or so and do a session in, a, in the period about anything that has to do with the tradition. So, you know, maybe we're going to look at the theme of home and God being home. And uh, it usually involves some content. It usually involves some, some, intellectual, some intellectual and then also some affective, right? So it's always giving them some reflection questions and then, you know, like, where is home for you? And could that feeling of home being a fe- be a feeling of God for you? Um, different questions like that that get them to go to their heart Mm-hmm. And then we end with a different prayer practice. So maybe it's a Lexio Divina or a meditation or a Visio Divina or, um, you know, anything to, to, to get them to sort of appropriate that into their lives. When um, you say go into the class, like you're physically going into the class, you're not bringing them into a chapel space. Correct. Yeah, I go to the okay. classrooms. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they come to the, in Advent and Lent, they will come to the chapel. Okay, got it. Um, for... Uh, a prayer service, but um, typically I will go. I go where they are. I go to the mm-hmm. classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I that I really loved was for Advent uh, in the chapel. I had them write down and do a journal on what what are you waiting for. What is it that you're waiting for on a a world level, and on a personal level, and so it was silent. Like we had some music in the background and the kids were just writing. And then at the end, I asked them to, to rip all these pages into long strips. And then they created the hay for the baby Jesus in the manger. So it's that what we're waiting for is fulfilled and is, is brought to bear and is, is um, met by the, the coming of this of this Jesus into our lives. That is an extraordinary reflection. And it's so simple. Yeah. It's those simple and things. Tangible. 
And, you know, half a dozen students leave and move on into their adult life, and every Advent they'll remember that. What am I waiting for? And they'll remember that becoming the hay in uh, waiting for Jesus to, to come into their lives. It's uh, so simple and, and so powerful. I uh, really appreciate you sharing that. That might form my Advent yes. this year. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So that's that formation um, that's so key. And then the third would be the counseling, the, mm. the guidance. Trying always to, whenever they come to see me, to give them some wisdom you know, right? That sometimes it's from the tradition. Sometimes it's just good old life stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, accompanying them. Again, the, the counseling is loving them too. It's all about love. So that's, that's big for me, is this, this idea of formation. Giving them something to believe in to hope in, to be transformed by, to be, um, to be beckoned toward, to be summoned by, yeah, it's that's, inviting that's very, them in. Yeah, inviting them in, that's, it's uh, very striking. Um, oftentimes when you hear maybe the word formation, it it can, not for me necessarily, but it, it could kind of sound sort of, that you know, top down. And mm. I really like that you've described just moving in and out of a s- student's life throughout the year with presentations and into the chapel for Advent and Lent and just your coming at... Um, what it is to live and 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 the the basic themes of life and then the the liturgical season and the whole time that you're with them you you just it's like you're journeying with them and you just keep bumping into these things and having deeper conversations and coming at things from different angles while you create space and and um, what a blessing your ministry is for your students yeah it's 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 cool to be able to to journey with them. And to let them, you know, I go in with a plan, right? But they often, sometimes the plan will shift, right? Because I'll drop, yeah. I'll drop huge questions, and then they want to talk about it, and then that ends That's up being it. Yeah. the whole time. You know, it's a big conversation, and and calling, calling the voices that don't always speak. They usually have something to say too. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love that. You know, getting to hear what the the silent ones are thinking. Yeah, and it means you've created a good space if if the voices on the margins or the or the silent ones are are speaking. That, mm-hmm. that says a lot. Yeah, sometimes I just I call on them, and they know, and we have a relationship. So I I always just they know they're I think they know that they're safe, and if anyone you know wants to make inappropriate comments, then they will. They will hear from me, right? So, yeah. That's your reputation. Yeah. I like, I don't know if you've had this experience when you go into a class and, and you know, someone makes a, a smart Alec comment or they're just trying to be goofy. One thing I have found is helpful is always is pretending and, and taking that as seriously as possible. So like, oh, that's really interesting. Why did you say that? Oh, but like there might be something that, that is actually really cool in there. Let's unpack that. And then they're like, uh, uh, uh. 
<laughs> uh, and then sometimes you get to the kernel of what it is they were thinking. Oh, and that's really, that's really wonderful too. Yeah. And I mean, they're teenagers. We, we, we have to create a safe space yeah. with our conversations, even for something like that. And, and it's a, it's a great witness to them. Like, you know, somebody thought they were being a smart aleck and here you ended up getting to the core, the core issue or the core thought or the core assumption and uh, what a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so welcome for the student, yes. but it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, well, working with working with students, and I mean, you've got some great energy and, and positivity, and you know, in three years, you've you've had lots of conversations, and our world has been through a lot in the last three years since you started your ministry. Where do you see hope amongst teens, in particular, or do you see it? Mm-hmm. Where do I see hope? I see hope in their humor. So in this world full of so much brokenness, they rise. And, you know, maybe that's a coping mechanism. But I think it's, it's still needed, you know, to be able to take things lightly and to be able to turn everything into something <laughs> goofy. They just, they crack me up. You know, the things they come up with, the, the comments they make, the stories they have, that is, I think, an expression of the human spirit. The resiliency of mm-hmm. the human spirit, yeah. Yeah, right? That in the midst of so much crap, right? You know, we've got climate change, we've got racism, we've got oppression of all kinds, we've got... Uh, they've got their own family stuff, their own personal struggles, and yet many of them still show up with, like, I'm not going to take things too seriously. And I'm not going to get super bogged down by X, Y, or Z. I care about it and I'm passionate about it, but also there's a time to to be light. And I think they, they offer me that lesson because I'm quite an intense person. Um, so they balance that out. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know what? I've been pleasantly surprised by that as well as you say that. And when I think of a student council, uh, in particular this year, it. I mean, I hate to say new school. This was my second year, but I mean, you know, full full on. Um, games and um, clubs and sports and such this year that we haven't seen since 2019. And there were so many spirit rallies. I was really appreciated that administration gave it that space and, uh, and students auditioning. And then you'd go and it would be um, dance and poetry and jokes and music. I mean, these kids have been you know, in their garages, learning riffs and and uh, and getting bands together, and it was it was it was a great joy to to see them, their comfort level at performing, and the joy that they had, and the fun that uh, that is in them that I think most of the adults in in the room weren't feeling. And I remember talking to someone saying, you know, they might they might carry us out of this this COVID malaise. Um, that it might we, we might rely on the kids for that. Yeah. I like that. They might carry us out of this. You know, because we do need to be carried. Yeah. We need to be held. They, what you're saying, there's signs of life in schools, right? And the youth are 
are real symbols for that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed they are. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think also what is hopeful for me is that they're spiritually hungry. They're thirsty for meaning, for truth, for authenticity, and they're just so real, right? Mm-hmm. That they they are engaged. Like, I find that when I am talking to them about spiritual matters, things of the heart, they care. So it might not look like it's looked in past generations, but they're, they're on the path and they're searching. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, and what a world that they live in with uh, fake news mm-hmm. and, and AI and just the plethora of, of platforms, it, this included. It, you, everyone can have a soapbox now. You just drag it out yes. and record it, and then everyone gets to hear your thoughts. Uh, it's a, compl- it's a saturated with right. with it with with opinion and and then you don't know what to to take as the truth and they I, I agree i think they really are searching for authenticity and the, and they're very spiritual in in their in their quest yeah no there's so much coming at us right that it's like it's hard for us i can't imagine what it would be like for a 14 year old it's just it's brutal really yeah i had yeah, a kid it, it, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I had a student, um, I I preached at one of our liturgies about knock and the door will be open to you. And so I was talking about that and letting those, those weeds and those overgrown shrubs to be pruned so that we can open the door for God. And... I had a, a student who was always very moody and not and a little bit difficult to to connect with. And I think we were talking the next day and his question was I heard what you said. How do I do that? Wow. Yeah. Bingo. So they're listening. And something flickered in him, and there was a desire there. It's all about the desire for me. And you're halfway there when you have the desire. So, you know, the kid that you would never think would be listening um, or would care does. And he had the courage to come and, and, and ask you more. Mm-hmm. Like he was probably had a sleepless night. Yeah. Your voice was stuck in his head. And he was like, I just, I got to go see him. Yeah. How do you open the door? I'm like, <laughs> it's oh, driving but, me crazy. Yeah. If only I knew all the answers. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a really positive and, and joy-filled person, Matthew. So like, usually my last question is like, what, what's your greatest joy in, in, in chaplaincy? Um, I mean, I know we've been talking about sort of different moments, but is there a, a particular way that you would describe your greatest joy in, in chaplaincy in this early part of your career? Yes. Joy. 
joy, I find joy a little bit elusive at times. I, I'm such a feeler and a thinker and sometimes I miss the joy because I'm, I'm overwhelmed okay. by all sorts of things going on. But, you know, this might be a paradoxical way to think of joy, but for me it works. Like being let into the stories of people, of the people of God, and having a window into their heart is brings me so much joy. It's not super like, ah, happy, happy. But just having a glimpse at the humanity of another is something that is really attractive to me. And, you know, for example... Not always, that would be too much, but, but sometimes um, when a, a student is in my office and we're unpacking something and they're talking about their, their pain or their wounds or what's on their mind, and they're being very vulnerable, they will say something that hits me and I feel my eyes start to well up and... It's like their pain in that moment connected with mine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's not many words, I think, to be able to explain it other than it's this, there's this, the holy is there. There's a sacred connection. There's, there's a bond that has just been formed in a deeper way. And yeah, I don't know how to put, words to it, but I just am in awe of those moments where we're connected by our shared experience of the, of the, the pain of life. And that that means we're not alone. And that that is in a sense joyful. Um, because I don't think joy needs to be, uh, roses and optimism and, happy, happy, but joy is much more of an undercurrent. It's, it's like underpinning life and it's connected to gratitude. So those are moments of joy for me that I've like, oh my gosh, like the privilege to be able to experience that and to feel something because of of what this kid said, and then to be able to, um, like, hold them in that because the little Matthew in me is needing to be held in that. Um, yeah, it's, that's joyful because it's, wow, it's beautiful. And life has a lot of crap, but it also has a lot of good. That's a, it's an incredible snapshot of of what we do in that aspect of our chaplaincy. 
and that God is using us as a as a, a an instrument and and you just never know when that person comes in how how they are going to touch you mm-hmm. and uh it, and it really is as you mentioned it's a privilege and and it's an honor and it can also be exhausting <laughs> so we you know it's um we have to take care of ourselves in in a way that maybe others don't uh because no two days ever look alike and you never know when you're going to go in and actually have to sit in that grief and that bereavement or that pain or that anger uh, and and to be able to to meet the student or the staff member there in in that emotion and to feel it with them is um a privilege moment as yeah. as you said and it's a it's it's a lot of work and it can be it's it's a very demanding ministry that we're in totally and and as you say that i i also am aware of those times when you know emotionally i'm not able mm. to to be as to go to the same place that the the person in front of me is that and I don't think that's a, that's the expectation always. No, but I, but I. There's just there's different days, right? Where we're maybe things are a little rawer for us. We're human. Yeah, exactly. And so, it's met. And then other days where someone is sharing something, and you know, we might have a connection to it, but we are we feel very able to to walk with them through that which is also sort of healing for us to be able to step back and say wow there's some growth in myself there because this didn't sort of ruffle right right yeah exactly whereas you know two years ago five years ago that that would have kind of ruffled your feathers a bit totally wow yeah and, you know, I also think of places where we have those conversations. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, as we're talking, somebody that doesn't work in this ministry might have this idea of somebody coming in and sitting down and closing the door. And I think of these conversations that I've had with people at a photocopier, mm. in a doorway, uh, standing at a locker, just t- holding space for this very encounter in somewhere in the school other other than the protected space of, yeah. of and the comfort of your office of it just it, it's sort of a it's a, it's comical at times but I've, I've learned to I learned to know when that is happening and how I can sort of create that space there or kind of shift it and and move it depending and because sometimes the need is just it's just so yeah. it's so uh, I don't know prescient it's 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 right there and 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 you recognize it and you've got to capture it some way no yeah. matter where it is that that the the encounter is happening yeah like when you know you can sometimes look at someone and they start to get emotional and you're like oh I'm at your locker I'm sorry that I looked at yeah. you <laughs> uh, yes yeah yeah. yeah, I shouldn't have asked about that thing. I know, <laughs> I know. We we get ourselves into that situation often yeah. because we're nothing is off bounds, out out of bounds. Is that the way? Yeah. This has been a, a insightful conversation, and uh, I I wish we worked together. I would really enjoy um, hearing about. Uh, how you do things and uh, partnering on things and just learning from your enthusiasm. And I think the only way to end this episode is to give Matthew the last word. The head of the Institute for Catholic Ed 
Dr. Ann Jameson, she said, I think in a, a presentation in my first year of chaplaincy, she said, we cannot make anything grow. We can only create the conditions. So, you know, I know that Joe spoke about planting seeds in your last episode and creating those conditions, allowing things to flourish, offering the gift, and letting people respond how they wish is, is the key. This interview left me with many questions to ponder in my own ministry. And so I leave you with some of those questions today as a form of reflection. So however you're listening to this, may it help shape your own reflection in real time during your chaplaincy day today, this week, this month. What is your frame of reference in chaplaincy? Where is the spirit moving in your school faith community? What have you been hearing? What do you need to hear? How can you attune to hear what the spirit is saying in your school community today? And to end, I'd like to refer to something that Matthew mentioned toward the end of the interview, how it's such a privilege to be let into the stories of people's lives, wherever that story is and it's unfolding, and to be able to touch the humanity of another. I really think that that's the core essence of the pastoral effect, because it's two people that can change in that encounter. So I hope you have an experience of that today or this week in your own chaplaincy ministry. Thank you for your ministry in chaplaincy, and thank you for listening to the Pastoral Effect Podcast.